welcome all you binge watchers to call the binge wife behind the scenes special interview episode. Today we are talking with the insightful and caring Eliza Ben Shalom, the matchmaker on the Netflix unscripted dating series Jewish Matchmaking. You can find our review of Jewish Matchmaking wherever you are listening to this podcast or at the show's website at callthebingewife.tv. Eliza Ruth and I are very excited for you to join us today. Welcome, I am so yes. excited to be here. <laughs> So, Elisa, if someone hasn't seen the show, can you give a short description of what it's about? Absolutely. So it's called Jewish Matchmaking. And the whole idea is to talk about what is Jewish matchmaking? What does it look like? How does it work? And specifically with this show, what's really interesting is that we have singles who are secular and unaffiliated. And we have singles who are somewhere traditional, middle of the road, and we have singles that are orthodox and more religious. And so you see a wide variety of Jewish people from all different backgrounds. And then you have me as their matchmaker and guide. (laughs) And I'm also somebody that's kind of similar to all of my clients, which is that I grew up secular and I became observant. So I know both worlds very well. Uh, I kind of have ties there. And so we go on this journey together to talk about dating love and some Jewish wisdom about the relationship process. Awesome. We binged it. We had watched The Indian Matchmaker and then we moved on to you and have fully enjoyed the experience. So what, Aliza, what I would like to know, your superhero origin story. How did you become a matchmaker in the first place? (laughs) I think I'm, I'm what you would call the accidental matchmaker, which is that I, I had a knack for putting people together. Like I had, <laughs> uh, right. You could, as you could imagine. And I grew up secular. So, you know, high school and university, I was setting people up and I just, uh, was doing whatever I could to, to build up relationships. And I had one successful match. Uh, somewhere mid-college, and I was like, oh, okay, that was nice, but it didn't, like, trigger anything. Nobody, like, goes to school to become a matchmaker. <laughs> so I I had ki- I got married, I had children, and after my first two children, I was like, oh, I got to just, I don't know, I want to do something, but, like, I'm not going to work outside the house. I just want to do, I don't know what I want to do. I want to do something, and my girlfriend goes, oh, I'm a matchmaker. Do you want to be a matchmaker? And I was like, I don't know. Tell me more. She said, well, there's this website and singles can't match themselves. Matchmakers actually have to look through the database and search and you have to, you know, spend a minimum of six hours a week putting in an effort. Six hours a week was like how they enticed you to come in. It was like (laughs) a 30 hour a week, you know, volunteer job to, to, to do matchmaking. And I kind of fell into it. And then Matchmaking, you know, there's different components of it. So we have the introducer that puts people together and everybody calls that the matchmaker. That's the one that actually does that. But then there's the mentor, the coach, somebody that walks the walk Mm -hmm. and talks the talk. And then you've got to get from where you are now to closing the deal. So the closer has to come in and it's make or break. Like you want me and I want you or forget about it and we're going to move on. And so I embraced all three roles. And I started to also get heavily into coaching. And I really fell in love with just working with people with the heads, with the hearts, with aligning things. And, uh, and it started to develop from there. Wow, that's so that's so interesting how that happened or having a friend, I wasn't going to guess that who was a matchmaker. Um, So after all of that, like, I'm curious, how did the show get started? And what led you saying to saying yes to being the matchmaker on the show? 
So I do have to say thank you to Indian Matchmaking because they worked really hard for about a decade to pitch the idea that we need a show about matchmaking and let's do Indian Matchmaking. And they finally got it through and it released in 2020. And woo, I mean, first of all, it was a pandemic. (laughs) Uh, So people were home and binging everything possible. And second of all, it was a fantastic show that had um, a lot of just... You know, there's it was entertaining. It was um, culturally educational and interesting. It was fun. It was playful. And people just fell in love with it. And after the season, uh, the first season ended, it got renewed and picked up. And the production company went back to Netflix and says, I think we have a brand. Let's try Jewish matchmaking. We'll do Indian also. And then we'll bring in Jewish matchmaking. And Netflix kind of said, maybe. <laughs> so uh, they said, find me a matchmaker. If we find a matchmaker and the right person to fill the role, then let's give it a shot. So they went on the hunt to do casting for a matchmaker. And the funny story is, which I think you will really like, uh, the reason and the way that they found me was through a matchmaker. <laughs> one of my one of my matchmakers that I have been training in coaching and matchmaking, we collaborated and we started doing trainings online during COVID and we started doing speed dating events online and webinars. And she had been seeing me on camera, so to speak, for months. And when they called her, she's like, no, I don't really want to, like, not the opportunity for me. I'm like a little camera shy. I'm nervous. And But you want Aliza, my co-host on these programs? She's lovely. She always comes up with something to say. You can ask her any question. She'll answer. She's very lively. She did She, she did a good job pitching me, which is what any good matchmaker would do. Yeah. And then she yes. called me. Yeah, she's like, Aliza, pick up the phone. They're calling you. Answer your email. Uh, she was really a doll. That's so, so great. Yeah, you talk about Indian matchmaking. You know, they have three seasons down and they're in their pockets. They're done. What are some of the similarities and and differences do you think are between the two shows? That's a really great question. When I watched, because I binged Indian Matchmaking too. (laughs) And when I watched Indian Matchmaking, I thought to myself, wow, that's so similar to Jewish Matchmaking. Like, it's like the same thing, just different people. And... I I was thinking in my head, wow, this would be fascinating if we could have Jewish matchmaking. So first of all, I think the differences you see baseline, cultural differences for sure. So you get to learn all about all of the customs from all the different religious backgrounds. And just like there's different types of Jewish people, I was like, oh, I I didn't actually, wait, what's that term? Sikh and, and okay, Hindu and this one. Oh, okay, wait, wait, I I love, I need to maybe Google it. Like it it got me very curious uh, Mm -hmm. to learn about it. And I think Jewish matchmaking does the same thing. And I think both shows, you know, we explain a little bit about the beliefs that come from our culture and from our people. What you're going to see different, um, you will see, you know, my personality and Seema's personality. We have two very different personalities, okay? So you have the same (laughs) themed show, but with very different approaches. So I think that that's refreshing and that's exciting. And in terms of... The couples, I think what's interesting on Indian matchmaking is even if the couples weren't religious or weren't coming from that kind of a home, they did bring in families and they still had more kind of a family dating alongside of the single person. I don't think it's how it's done. Like if you look at it, they're like, no, no, I would have been dating on my own. But like my parents are here because, you know, they were kind of like doing it 
we're, we're bringing the cultural references into the modern world and trying it in a new way. With Jewish matchmaking, you see, I'm just trying to think of parents that were there. We had Uri's parents in LA. Right. We had Faye's mom in New York. And and then mostly you really meet friends and you're not really, oh, we had a Nikisha's mom also. Um, so those three, but like out of, let's say nine or 10, we only had a third. So we really showed, we, we brought some of traditional matchmaking in and the ways that I brought it in was with all of my little catchphrases. So we have date them till you hate them. We have the five date challenge with no touching. And, and I think that I brought in the root of Jewish wisdom in a very modern way that was applicable to the people that I was working with. And I think Indian matchmaking did the same thing, but in a different way. They were like, okay, so let's bring the parents along. Let's bring this cultural experience that we've always done. Um, and so I think those are some of the differences as well. I love, I mean, I love both of them. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that they had nice, um, there was a nice balance. And I think also with, with mine, uh, with it, Jewish matchmaking, I have a, a universally accepting, playful approach. And I think that Seema has a very direct, firm approach. And, and it's so funny because online, people love both. And, sure. and then they, they, and they say, oh, well, Lisa should be more like Seema. She should be direct. And then they say <laughs> Seema should be more like a Lisa, you know, and, and have a different approach. And I'm thinking, you guys just like both. We both have something different to offer. And how wonderful that we bring different things to the table. Is that a cultural difference or is that a Seema Eliza difference? No, that's just a personality difference. Okay. Um, I think culturally you might find. I mean, my my instinct is to say what I just said. When I think about it, I'm like, you know what? Culturally, I don't know enough about, you know, the Indian way of life in a way, in the intimate way that I know about the Jewish way of life. But I know that you could have equally have found somebody that had a SEMA personality that was Jewish. My, you know, instinct is to say, no, I think that's just personality. Yeah, thank you. Oh, and how wonderful you both had something different to bring. I liked seeing both both of your styles. That was great. Yeah. Thank you. So how important was it for you to work with all types of Jewish people on the show? And is that your same philosophy in the matchmaking you do outside of the show? It was very important to me to show that this is exactly what I do in my business, what I've been doing. So I, I started dabbling in matchmaking professionally in 2007, where I was volunteering on this website. And then I developed my business and I was like playing with it in 2011. I legally registered it in 2012. I released my book in 2013. And I went about this process in a very slow, organic way of developing it. But I have always worked with all different types of Jewish people across the spectrum. And it's probably because of my background. It's probably because I'm very familiar with both worlds. So I am somebody who's approachable from both sides. I think that when you only understand one perspective, then you connect and relate to that much more. And the other one, people see you as foreign. So just for example, culturally, you know, I, I was secular, I became observant. And one of the things after you get married, one of the things is actually to cover your hair. So if you see me wearing having hair in the show, it's actually a wig. Um, and then you sometimes see me covering, oh, surprise, you guys have surprise looks on your face. <laughs> this is a wig. Okay. Um, what? I'm like, yeah. wait, does it? It's, yes. Oh, newsflash, newsflash. So well, um, I got I to gotta interrupt. Was that, really was, that a, was that a Netflix thing that they said, hey, we need you to 
to not wear yeah. that or is or is that no. just how you go about doing your business normally? No, no. In my normal life, after a woman gets married, there is a custom to cover your hair. Some people will wear a head wrap and a scarf. Some mm-hmm. people will put a wig on to cover their hair and some people do both. And some people do neither. Everybody does, you know, there's all different customs. Um, so for me, I, I'm i somebody, you know, culturally, culturally and, and in my Jewish background where I come from, I sometimes wear one or the other. Professionally in business, I almost always wear a wig. And the main reason is because I don't want there to be a barrier between me and the person I'm speaking to. And if I sure. seem foreign or different to you, you're not going to be able to feel as close and you're not going to let your guard down. And then we can't build a deep connection. So, and I feel just as authentically as who I am doing this as I would um, having a headscarf on. Although in the summer, I will tell you, it is just much cooler to have a headscarf on. <laughs> I love it. And yeah. uh, you'll find me at the beach with my scarf <laughs> and my hat. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So our review of the show is out. And in our reviews, we strive to give three positives and one negative for each of the shows that we review. So uh, try to be fair and understand that, you know, people are making art and, you know, you can't bash, completely bash folks. I, I like that you don't do it in the reverse. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I have to admit my negative for Jewish matchmaking and the Indian version as well is that most of the couples shown that have furthered their relationships um, in your show to the to the hoopa uh, seem to mostly have not been made by the matchmaker. And why do you think this is and does it affect how you tell the story of the matches? So what's interesting is we for production for our at least for Jewish matchmaking from February until August of 2022, that was our filming. So we had seven months and uh, call it February, May, August, we were in the United States, and April and July, we were in Israel. So I meet somebody, and we start working together, and then maybe you set them up the first time you meet them, and maybe they continue dating, maybe it works or it doesn't. Then I come back in May, and maybe they continue dating, or we have to set them up with somebody new, right? You get one day, but you see how long of a, a pause there is. Right. So to show the continuity of a relationship would be a extremely difficult and b matchmaking true matchmaking works like this i am a failure every single time except <laughs> for that one time when i make a match and they get married yay i'm a huge success it's amazing and every other time in matchmaking nobody cares you are a failure you didn't get it right this isn't your person and it's very heavy now how many people do people need to date until you find the one and how often is it that you're going to actually find the one on a show with cameras with people who you know are going through these things in a time crunched period of time there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of stress um there's a lot of factors that you know work against you but what I believe and what I know to be true about matchmaking is that making an introduction is only one part of being a matchmaker. The second part is being a mentor, walking the walk, talking the talk, coaching them. All of my phrases and catchphrases, those are coachable catchphrases. And I do that on purpose because even the viewer, every single viewer could walk away with a golden nugget of wisdom and we could have a thousand matches from people who watch the show and they're like, oh, Aliza said, date them till you hate them. You know, I gave this guy, I gave this girl a chance and hey, they grew on me and Wow, look at that. Mazel Tov, we're married. Okay? Anybody. And Jewish or non-Jewish doesn't matter. You could walk Mm -hmm. away with it. That, to me, that is also true matchmaking. And the third part of it is 
being a closer, making, you know, like a decision at the end. And we saw on the show, Danny was dating David. And at the end, like, are we going to give it a chance? Is it going up? Is it going down? Which direction is this relationship going? And ultimately, it didn't work. But you have to close a match out. And somebody has to do it successfully so that you make the right decision. We don't want to say no. And really, it's a yes or vice versa. So I see this as a huge success because people learn something about matchmaking. They learn something about how to do something with their own dating and relationship uh, and how to progress things along. And what you don't know is, uh, I'll tell you a few inside secrets. So Cindy, uh, who always said she was self-sabotaging, we kept in touch and she was dating and now she's dating somebody and she kept calling me. She's like, Aliza, I'm going to self-sabotage, but I'm texting you. Don't let me do it. (laughs) Okay. And, and she said, thank you for helping to guide me. Okay. That's, she met him on her own, but she might not have stuck with him without my support. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. also matchmaking. And now, but you don't see the PS. Somebody else who's, uh, who was dating one of the main characters. I had a match idea. It came to me and I was like, Oh, this is good. I'm going to put you together. And I said, now listen, this is going to be a slow grow. This is not like, Ooh, hot to trot. And we're so excited. Right. Slow grow. You're not allowed to break up unless you call me and you have a fantastic reason why you should say no. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm, I'm going to hold you to be like straight with this. They're dating. It's almost nine months. And I like have to give somebody a kick in the pants so that we can get a ring on the finger and, and make it happen. But um, that's something else that you didn't see. And that's a real match that happened. But it's the uh, one side would never want to be in front of the camera. So you're never going to see that. And then some of the other people um, we have set up, we have tried to get them dating, we have passed things along. And so again, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I pass them off. Oh, you need to meet so-and-so. They live here. Okay. Well, matchmakers are also super connectors and we pair people with other people that they belong to and then whisper down the lane and a couple people after we find out like, oh, wow, six connections later, you found your person. And that was because you led me to this first person. So Mm. matchmaking is so such a full bodied experience. If you're looking for a wedding, so give me a 10 marriage minded singles who will agree if I find your person that you will get engaged within six months and married before the end of the production. Okay. If you want a wedding, give me that. Yeah. And, and, Yeah. And matchmaking also is so much about the mindset. And when your mindset is in the right place, it doesn't matter whether I bring that. I I tell people, I'm like, I really don't care who sets you up. I want you to marry your person, but you become magnetic when you start to draw that energy in because you're ready and you believe it and you're serious and you're focused and it starts to happen, but it's because they went all in and they hyper-focused on it. And so like, I know I don't always have to set them up. I know the match is going to just be drawn to them from the right source. And then I want to make sure that they don't blow it and they don't make a big mistake and walk away from something amazing. So that well, is really the heart and soul of it. Yeah. I think that's an amazing answer. I, I, I will I say, I think it's extremely fair and I, and I have learned something today. So yeah, definitely. I, I appreciate that. Yes, me too. Well, yeah, I'm thinking about it. Some people don't want to be on camera. There's so many different leads. But my follow-up question to that too is how many matchmakers are there out there? I thought, you know, I know that um, I have more experience with the Asian culture, but they're out mm-hmm. there still, right? They um, are. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we're in matchmaking. All of my matchmaking colleagues were in matchmaking groups online. And there's hundreds of matchmakers that are in different groups. 
There are thousands of matchmakers across the globe. Um, personally, with Jewish matchmakers, I have over a thousand professional matchmakers that we wow. message out, and then we have another, you know, uh, another thousand that we're going to call like dabblers. Like they they fiddle, they they play with uh, matchmaking <laughs> a little bit, but it's a little, you know, like maybe they make one match suggestion a month instead of like ten, and. Um, uh -huh. Then there's just the average layperson. It could be like you, where you just introduce your friend to your buddy, and then all of a sudden, poof, they, they get together. So the truth is we're all matchmakers. It's just some of us devote our lives to it, and some of us just devote a few hours. That makes sense. Yes. Oh, thank you. So with all the changes of the dating world, I was thinking about that in the last oh, 20 years or so, has that made your role more challenging to fulfill? And if so, why? It's been more challenging and less challenging simultaneously. So with more options and with the world being interconnected in such a universal way and such a worldwide way, it makes it, it like opens up options that you're like, wow, I would have never been able to find a match like that before. And at the same time, nobody's just looking next door and saying that's good enough because well, it doesn't matter if I'm bored at two o'clock in the morning, I can start swiping. And I, I think there might be somebody better than you. You're good, but I have about a thousand mm. other options today. Mm. And tomorrow I've got another thousand. If I don't like that, I got another whole website that I can go to. If I don't like that, I got another 10 websites I can go to. So there's this tremendous blessing in technology because it has made thousands of matches and really helped to interconnect people. And at the same time, it's created a problem, which is, I just think that there's never ending options. And I'm not sure that I'm going to be ready to settle down because the grass is always greener. Mm -hmm. So there's kind of the blessing and the curse that comes yeah. along with it. I, I see things more with the glass half full. I see things more as a blessing. I think that the advancement of technology has given us uh, a tremendous ability to do things faster, easier, smarter, better. And the challenge that comes with it, as long as we educate people, don't burn out, you know, let friends and family help you. If you want professional support, get it. If you need a dating break, go on vacation. I'll give you a prescription. Go to the Bahamas. See you later. Uh, refresh yourself and come back renewed. Mm. Yeah, thank so you. So getting back to the show a little bit, how much input do you have on the casting process of those who are intended to match? And in real life or the show, have you ever turned down anyone or unwilling to work with someone for any kind of reason? And if so, why? Okay, so in terms of the show, they had final call on who were, were the main people that we were that were going to be my clients. But they did say, obviously, you have to work with them. So here's kind of our top picks. And, and what do you think and what works for you? And I was able to give my feedback and they were very receptive to it, which was really wonderful. Um, you know, there was there were one or two people that I said this it, not, you know, first of all, you have to make a match between me and the person I'm working with. And second of all, sure. um, I wanted people that represented all different types of Judaism um, in many different ways. And so we wanted a variety of people. But there were one or two that I said, this doesn't, you know, work for me. Um, and they were very respectful of that. And so that worked out very nicely. And in terms of the daters, the people that I set them up with, 100% I could choose who I wanted. Um, they did not choose the daters. Uh, we did have from all the applications a pool of people that we knew were comfortable to be on TV. So I could use right. that because th that was my first hurdle. I have databases. I have people. And do you know how many said, 
I'll go on a date on TV. What? Netflix? No. <laughs> you know? like, mm-hmm. And they're like, but you can set me up on the side. And I was like, actually, no, I'm contracted to set them up on the show. I can't set you up on the side. If it doesn't work out, we can talk later. But I've got a match to make for the show. So mm. that was really a challenging process for me because it was like with one arm tied behind your back. And I wasn't right. allowed to say that I was the matchmaker for the show. So I had my team calling people. <sighs> And like I activated my real network to find people because I wasn't allowed to announce for two years that it was actually me. So that was wow. a really, really big Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And wait, the second part of your question was, oh, in real life. So in real life, there have been people that weren't the right fit. And mostly I will say it's the type of person that comes to me and says, there's nobody out there. There's a very negative attitude. You know, Lisa, you're too positive about this. And, uh, you know, it's just, it is what it is. You should get in check with reality. And I said, well, you and I live in different worlds. And, you know, this isn't going to be a good match. The first match has to be between us. And this isn't going to be a good fit. I definitely have a Mm. very different point of view, probably too positive of a a point of view, because I actually believe you're going to find your person and you really don't. And, uh, you know, exit stage left. No, but very kindly. (laughs) I was saying her. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally positive. So I really, I just want to work with people that I think that I can help who genuinely want to find their person. And even if they don't believe it, because it's very hard to believe it when you cannot see that this is coming towards you. They say to me, but Aliza, I'm willing to hang on to your belief because you've seen it happen so many times that you understand that it can happen. Let me hang on to your belief. Let's go for this ride. So yes, there are people that I wouldn't choose to work with, but I would say they also probably wouldn't want to work with me. We're not an ideal fit. Also somebody who's not growth oriented. If you're not uh, not growth oriented, self-reflective or people that say to me, just set me up. I don't want anything else. No coaching, no mentoring, no closing. I'll take care of all the details. I just, you just put the right person in front of me. I got this. So I said, listen, you just do dating on your own. We have a holistic, well-rounded, full-body sure. process. It's not in alignment with how you want to date, but you know, blessings and prayers that you find your person quickly, speedily, and this year. <laughs> nice. There's so many questions we want to ask. But what is next for Elisa? Oh, I love that question. The big answer is that I am going to continue to sparkle and light up the world and bring lots of wisdom, Jewish wisdom, philosophy, and relationship wisdom to the world. The The longer answer is, I don't exactly know. We're waiting to see, you know, all shows wait to hear about renewals. <laughs> and um, if it gets renewed, I would be overjoyed to come back. If it doesn't get renewed, I will be doing something else. And I don't know what it will be, but I will figure it out and I will make it happen because I tell people that I'm not a doer, I'm a dunner. You know, like it's not that I'm going to do it. No, no, no. It's on my mind. It's a mission of mine. I want to reach the hearts and souls of the world and I want to touch people and I want to, everybody has their way of fixing the world. And for me, I want to do that by building relationships between couples that are healthy, that can last a lifetime. And I know when I do that, it builds communities. And when I do that, it builds the whole world. So to me, as long as I am accomplishing that mission and and I need to do it for me on a global platform, I want Jewish people, non-Jewish people. I want everybody to be touched by this because it, the wisdom is not, it's, it's not only for Jewish people. Like there's, there's just so much wisdom to share that I think is completely relevant for everybody in the world. And, and I want to light up the world with beautiful, healthy couples and 
that's my way of fixing them. Everybody has their own way of fixing the world and, and, you know, doing their part. And that's my way to do my part. Yay. Yeah, and you are doing that work and yes. I appreciate it. And we, we learned. definitely learned a lot from you and from watching the show and we recommend it to other folks for sure. Aliza, thank, thank you so you. much for being here. How can folks find you online real quick to, to get connected to you? So you could find me on Instagram at Aliza Ben Shalom, or you can find me at my website, which is marriagemindedmentor.com. Awesome. We'll put those in the show notes to make sure everyone has those so they get connected to you. And we greatly appreciate you being here and we wish you all the success in the world going forward. Yes. Wishing you all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. much. It's been a great pleasure.